Hi, my name is Steve Wishart and I'm the IB World Schools Manager for Australasia at the International Baccalaureate. In this episode, our leadership podcasts will be discussing the development of agency for all leaders, teachers, students and parents so that resilience, flexibility, responsibility, self-assessment and adjustment are part of everyday learning. Joining our discussion today is Darlene Fisher, host of our leadership podcast series, and panellist David Fitzgerald, Senior Vice President of GEMS Education, Seetha Murthy, Director of Education at Silver Oaks International Schools, and Angela Meikle, IB World Schools Manager based in Singapore and former Head of Elementary at Hanoi International School. Hi everyone, uh, my name is David Fitzgerald. I'm the Senior Vice President for Education for GEMS. I'm based in Dubai and uh, work across uh, a number of regions. My name is Angela Meeple. Currently I am based in Singapore and I work uh, for the IB. I'm a World Schools Manager. Uh, lots of experience in education with IB, working in IB schools, um, in education administration, as a coordinator um, and looking forward to this topic today. Hello everyone, I'm Sita Murthy. I'm the Director of Education of Silver Oaks International Schools in India. So we have four schools, 4,600 students. Uh, one of our schools is a, a continuum school. I'm also an IBIN and I love this journey with IB for the last 12 years. Thank you team and I'm Darlene Fisher, the moderator for this series of IB podcast for leadership uh, with a focus on COVID and the impact COVID's having on us. I've been working with the IB for about 20 years now and more recently as an IB educator and particularly focused on the leadership development. Very happy to be here with you this week talking about a very important topic that has certainly taken a lot of airtime at the moment and that is agency. And we're not going to talk just about students but also the required agency of teachers and leadership and, and absolutely also including parents these days. So our first question really is to, to have a look, I guess it's got two parts. We can look at initially how has uh, COVID and the experience of going into remote learning and maybe back into face-to-face -face or back to remote learning, how has that been impacted um, by students' agency, their belief in their agency as well, and to what extent did it impact their ability to do this successfully? And then the second part of the question we can move into is to what extent has this experience really pushed us to develop student agency much more uh, as a focus? Anyone like to start with that one? I agree. I think that agency has really come to the center in, in a positive way um, through the experience of, as you were mentioning, Darlene, you know, moving to a remote um, environment, coming back to campus sometimes then, um, having to shift again into a hybrid experience. You know, what agency offers us um, and that, you know, as learners, we come with agency is that it helps to focus on what our sense of identity is and how that is ever changing. Um, and the role of efficacy, when we are efficacious learners, um, when we believe in ourselves and our skills, um, then that really supports our identity evolving. So I think as students moved into a remote environment, 
um, as everyone in the community, not just students, um, as we all did that, it really helped um, because we were forced to come in with new behaviors um, of working online or having to negotiate our own timetables. Um, students began to believe much more sort of in their own capacity for what they were able to do. And then other areas, um, you know, parents were able to see that teachers really had the feedback that, wow, you know, what I thought was maybe not possible in the classroom, now I'm seeing is completely possible because students are showing us that they can do this from home. And then how we've been able to transition back has been quite interesting how teachers have been thinking about restructuring elements um, because of the students really showcasing um, their agency when they've been at home. Thank you. David? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think like many things during the pandemic, agency has become even more important. And I think for me, agency is about giving students the power to act. And certainly early on here in the UAE, where we did have some technological challenges, students were forced to act uh, very early on uh, because of the lack of, of, of consistency in the, in the IT. Um, and, and now I think we're at a stage where students have, have learned that that's part of their daily repertoire because we've got some schools where we have um, students fully on site. We've got some where they're in a blended model. Then when there's a positive case, they're at home for 14 days. Uh, so students are, are becoming agile learners. And, and as a result, I think agency has increased. I do think early on, um, perhaps as educators, we struggled with the initial move to remote learning. We, we felt we needed to stand and deliver, I think, and justify our roles as educators. And um, after a few weeks, I think we realised this is not who we are, this is certainly not as IB educators, and, and we got back to more of a way of, of, of teaching that resembled what we would do um, in the classroom. So, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey and it continues to be so. Thank you. Peter? So, Darlene, I would like to start it like this. Agency by itself denotes self-directed, self-responsible learning. So, let me start with the Asian context of learning. In the ancient Asian context, if you see, uh, when we introduced the inquiry-based learning, when we said student-centric learning, it has been a huge challenge because adults in Asian context believe that everything has to be controlled. Children are meant to be controlled, guided, led, okay? That children by themselves are not capable of learning. So for us, it has been a very uh, challenging journey in the initial years when we said, uh, whether it is with the teachers or the parents, that you know they are capable of learning on their own. So the journey of making it a student-centric classroom and the journey of making it inquiry-based learning in itself is a cultural change. From that cultural change, gradually when IB started talking about learning agency, that you know a student can be an agency, someone who receives a learning, can also be an agent of learning, someone who spreads learning, has been a wonderful conversation for the last two to three years in, the, in all our schools. To make, to repose a trust and belief in students that you can learn on your own. And these are the ways, these are the strategies. You can connect extreme challenge. You can step in, step out, step back. You can do this and you can do that. Has been an education in itself for the parents and teachers. Not so much for students. Because, you know, they are so ready. The students who are used to learning through this inquiry-based approach, I personally feel that it has not been a great challenge even under this 
pandemic through online learning mode because they're already tuned to the idea that I am responsible for my learning and I need to connect, I need to extend, I need to challenge. But what has been the greatest learning in all this is parents saw it firsthand. Sitting next to the children at home, many parents who have some amount of free time at home, they are witness to this agency in action. And now they are talking about it more than us. So I would say agency in its truest sense is happening now online learning because you don't have a teacher mollycoddling, you don't have a teacher guiding constantly. You only have a teacher who has given the broad framework of guiding. Now it is up to the students to take it up. And that is where we are beginning to see agency much more. When they come to school physically, all said and done, there is some amount of intervention, some amount of handholding. But now a large part of it is agency. There's a huge number of very interesting insights and, and questions we could take um, to push your ideas further. I'd love to come back to the parent one later, um, a little bit further down in our discussion, but come back to your idea that your students over the last couple of years on developing their agency were actually more flexible and more able to move into this remote learning existence that we've pushed onto them. I want to ask all three of you, maybe push it a little bit. Is, is it not an ethical responsibility these days for schools to push students and encourage students to have and develop the skills of agency given the unknowns that they are going to face in the world and that the world is not going to provide them with someone to tell them what to do forever. So they need to be learning from grade one or all this, um, this the, the skills related to agency. Is it too much to say it's an ethical responsibility or is it just a good idea because of what we've gone through? I, yeah, I, I, I do think it's a, an ethical responsibility. I'd probably go further and say that our students expect that. The students that come to us now and I know we're going to talk about teachers shortly. I think we see that in our our young teachers too, they come with an attitude that they should be self-determining pedagogical um, practitioners. They, they don't need someone telling them what to do. So yeah, it's an ethical responsibility, but our students force us down that path, which is fantastic. Thank you. Um, and I, I would absolutely agree with, with David. And also, um, I think there is a sense of unlearning that as educators and teachers that, that we need to consider that I think our students, I, I agree with what you were saying, Sita, that our students come to us with this inbuilt um, sense of autonomy, you know, that they know from such an early age, they're incredibly capable. And when they come into a structure of education or schooling, we put very clear, rigid, we will do math for this many minutes and then we will move into a different discipline. Um, I think it, it is sometimes the educators in the building that we need to really unlearn and, and support, think about how we systemically can support further um, agentic capabilities um, for that, that we need to make sure that we're developing that as well. Yes, I agree with David and Angela because and I agree with what you said, darling, it's our ethical responsibility because you know, schools are like the lighthouses of a society. What is happening in the field of education? What are the expectations in the, in the learning environment? I think we need to bring it. We need to make the, the teaching community, the students and the parents aware that the culture of learning is something that's very important because it is not what they went through, what parents went through or what teachers went through. There is a, 
systemic change, there is a cultural change. So it is definitely our ethical responsibility, our professional responsibility to make sure that agency happens and self-directed, self-responsible learning happens. Thank you. Thank you. I think you've mentioned also the idea that students are um, engaged in a variety of, of activities because of their own learning like this. Can we have a look at what teachers are engaged in perhaps and maybe push your, your conversation, Andrew, a little bit further? In what ways do you think COVID, the experience through COVID and remote learning has pushed teachers to both take on and assume the responsibilities, but also then to start looking for them as you're suggesting, David? How has this really impacted teachers, do you think? And how should it impact teachers in the future? You know, just like students, teachers require constant feedback to grow as, as teachers and learners. And I think we have the perfect platform now, don't we? We certainly, we are videotaping, recording every lesson because we have kids at home, kids in the second classroom, kids in the first classroom. Um, so what I've been encouraging in, in the schools I work with is they, they should be incorporating a collaborative reflection section every week into their planning where they are um, taking snippets from each other's lessons and observing and providing feedback um, and that ongoing dialogue. And it's, it's not something we, we had access to previously because we, we, we didn't typically, we, some of us filmed ourselves um, teaching and, and used that as a coaching approach, but we didn't typically film every lesson, which we do now. So I think there's great opportunities. Um, of course, you need a safe environment, you need school-wide protocols, but um, I think it's a, a tremendous opportunity for teachers to grow and um, collaborate. We're looking at, the, at a positive impact in the potential for collaboration and, and professional development from teachers through some of these learnings. What else do you see? Do you think teachers have had to take on more responsibility and be more independent than they had before? Angela? Um, it's something that uh, certainly has come up, I guess this is cycling back to the idea of agentic learners being quite efficacious. Um, and that in working um, in when I was a head of elementary with teaching staff as we moved into a remote um, uh, learning environment is that I, I had certain staff members who previously would have identified themselves as, you know, I am, I am not an IT person. That is not my identity. I, you know, I don't really work with a lot of IT. I like to do more hands-on um, type of activities in my classroom, which is, is wonderful to use lots of manipulatives. And, you know, what COVID and this crisis has certainly, um, I wouldn't even say nudged, I would say forced us to do is move into platforms that previously maybe we would not have um, uh, worked with and in a really fluent way. And so I think teachers have surprised themselves with the skills that they have developed so rapidly. And if we had asked them prior to um, you know, March, February, any of this experience, do you think that your skill set will be increasing exponentially over, um, you know, this period of time? They, I, I'm not sure they would have agreed. Um, however, I think what it, it has provided us is that sense of, yes, I can do this. And if, if I can do this, what else can I do? You know, if I can do this, what else can I do to sort of, um, Think about disrupting other areas maybe that I haven't thought of yet or maybe I thought previously was was too challenging or that just goes in the too hard bucket. So I think it's really provided us an opportunity to, to shift some mindsets um, of, of things that previously seemed 
again, sort of like in the in the too hard basket. Yes, Caesar. Yeah, I would say the same thing. You know, they said they started discovering who they can be. They started discovering what else they can do. So a few examples I'll give you here. One is all of them are working from home. So there is a sudden new respect from the family members they're getting. Their spouses or their children or their parents are appreciating. You do so much and you know so much. So suddenly there are stars in the eyes of teachers when they share that, you know, I have a new respect for my family now because of the work I do, because they hear and they see the work I'm doing. The next thing that I can see is that they're becoming very resourceful. So earlier, maybe due to time constraints or whatever, they would depend on the school to arrange for guest lectures. Now I see many of my teachers inviting faculty from the universities to show something, some abstract concept in physics or give a guest lecture in math or some astrophysics. I am amazed at their resourcefulness. And all this is possible because it's online. There are no, uh, you know, large arrangements one has to make for travel, fixing the time. So even pre-recorded videos we are having now. So the teachers are, are discovering how resourceful they can be, how powerful they can be, how recognized they are by their family members. So I think there's a sense of accomplishment in them. And each time they bring, they're all attending online courses with Coursera, they're doing something with Project Zero now. So every time they do something, they learn something new. Now there's an augmented reality, like tomorrow is a 2nd October, Mahatma Gandhi's birthday. So we have through AR Gandhiji coming into the class now. We have so many things happening. So I think there is a new uh, discovery that teachers are making that there's a world we can really bring into the classroom. Wonderful images. A quick question for you, Sita, you were talking initially of the cultural background of your, um, of, of an understanding of agency and the role of teacher and learner um, in Asia. There's also been comments that not culturally based, but personality based, some students have not been advantaged by this development and expectation of agency. In fact, some have been significantly disadvantaged because they're just not, the personality is, is it? it's not that they've got a deficit of skill, but their personality is much quieter. Do you think that that's also an element that students and teachers, I mean, I've talked to some teachers who believe that that's also an aspect of why some have, I guess not necessarily enjoyed, but blossomed in some ways under stress in this period, but others have really struggled. What's your feeling on that? So that's a good question, but personality is something that you would find in any context. But in Asian context, what you would find largely is the parents are the controllers in a family. The parents will tell what, you, what tennis class you have to attend or whether you have to attend a guitar class. So there is a lot of hand-holding, controlling parenting style here. In a scenario like this, children largely may feel that I can't make decision on my own. My mother or my father, they have to tell me what I should do when I should sit for learning, when I should learn, uh, what I should learn. I have seen earlier times when, um, when children would do activities or build some uh, projects, parents used to tell them, why are you wasting time? Girl, come on, do more math practice. Okay, sit and read more, learn more, write more. That is the cultural context which has been a challenge in initial years. But thanks to this, even children are able to explain 
to their parents that, see, I'm learning. What I'm doing now is I'm doing a comparison of my perspective with the perspective of my classmates. So they, the personality is beginning to change when they're able to explain to their parents, you know, independence happens when you have independence in your thought. And that is what this inquiry-based learning and this agency is able to build in children. And when you can explain to your parents that I'm not wasting time, I'm actually doing this project. I'm actually exploring, you know, the geographical differences between this continent and that continent. And now I'm going to give you a comparative study. That's when even parents begin to, to take a backseat that, yeah, he knows what he's doing. So it's more than the personality, the power that we have to give to children. Agency is building that power. Online learning is also building that power because they're doing everything on their own. They're able to say, ma'am, I, I tried. I had time, I tried. So I can tell you from yesterday to today, what has been the difference in my learning style. I think it's wonderful you, you bring up so much about parents and maybe we can move into the impact that COVID's had on parents and the, their understanding of education, maybe their involvement in education and learning and also the school's relationship with them about this sort of thing. David, have you had much in the way of work with your schools on this? Absolutely. I think uh, everyone, I heard a wonderful phrase early on back in March when we first moved to remote learning from a parent who said, finally the curtain has been lifted on the classroom uh, and we can see what you guys do and it's true and um, I think I think we still have a lot of work to do with parent education around the learning process as educators we value that space between exposure to a new concept and mastery that's learning right but for parents they're used to seeing their children do homework and traditionally homework is revision they're not used to seeing them in that struggle space, which we love as educators. That's where the real learning happens. So I think we need to spend time educating our parents that it's okay for children to struggle with the concept, to work through it, then for teachers to provide feedback and questioning and, and gradually grasp and really muddle their way through to understanding, and that's normal. But um, of course, many of our parents are taking on the role of teacher at home for the first time. And, that's hard for them because they're not trained educators. They don't understand the teaching and learning process. They don't understand stages of development necessarily the way we do as educators. So for me, it's that education of parents. And it is extremely difficult, isn't it, for parents of young children, particularly if they've got three or four children at home under the age of, say, seven. Um, managing that is, is extremely challenging. So we need to find ways to better support them as well. Angela, do you have anything to add on parents? Yes. <laughs> um, so a as a parent, um, as uh, a you know, working family with um, two young girls, and we had them both at home for quite a while, um, I, I really am empathetic to how families are um, experiencing um, our current context, um, the previous past months. And I agree with you, David, in that there is that area of when students are ex introduced to a new concept or idea um, and versus maybe previously when we were sending home information that was um, to be, you know, sort of consolidated. But what was not seen was the messy middle um, that happens in the classroom. Um, and now that's what parents are engaging with. Um, and often, you know, as inquiry based 
pedagogical approaches, um, there is not a binary, you know, it's black or white, you know, it's very gray and there's not, we're not looking for a quote right answer. We're looking for something that has different opinions or perspectives. And so, you know, you know as a parent and working with parents, this is something that it, it's taking time to continually revisit um, the understanding that conceptual understanding deepens over time and we're looking to ensure that students are, you know, making connections across subjects as well that we don't have subjects in isolation that we like to make sure that there's those um, interdisciplinary or transdisciplinary links. And so I think it's been a, a just tremendous opportunity to, again, have parents as partners because this would not be possible without our parents um, in very close partnership um, and working through the experience. So I, I feel really grateful that so many parents have been willing to, I guess, be risk takers um, and engage in that the messy process of learning with their children. And I concur that I think that early years has been um, where educators have really had to dig deep and find creative solutions to make sure that, um, yeah, their students have made sure to have those successful experiences along the way with their parents at home working with them. What do you think would be the, the best takeaways for school leadership um, given parents situation through the COVID? What would be wanting to continue after this? I think in having, you know, some schools have students returning to campus, there is such a, a deeper level of appreciation of what goes on when students now are going to school um, and attending classes that they have really been able to have that insight, you know, with the curtain being lifted, as you mentioned, David, I think there is really a, a closer community connection, um, knowing what is happening um, and continues to happen. So I think it's brought school communities much closer um, in appreciation of, of the inner workings of of the school. Do you think, uh, my understanding, right, that you're suggesting schools really continue that hard work of communicating with and sharing the messiness of education and learning with parents? Yeah. Absolutely. And there's been several instances of now, often with health and safety guidelines, parents can't come onto campus, um, which may have, you know, at once felt very isolating and yet because we are very uh, fluent now with the different platforms that we use. I had a parent-teacher conference today with my daughter's teacher and we zoomed in and it was completely seamless. Um, so there there now is ways that we can, we can stay connected um, and we don't need to feel that we're distanced um, in any way. Maybe we'll keep a few more Zoom calls going. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. There's a, a parent coffee morning going on at um, uh, my daughter's school right now and uh, so after this I'll be able to hop on that where normally there'd be no chance of ever doing that so um, 15 minutes having a cup of coffee is doable an hour and a half in traffic and travel is not I would say the same thing darling because you know there's a larger collaboration between parents and the school now and much more understanding I would say confidently that the parents are more or less on the same page sometimes the when the teachers tell me the stories about you know, ma'am, parents during the student-led conference are able to explain, now my son is presenting the second line of inquiry. 
And he's also able to talk about the related concepts, if you have noticed. So that itself has become a great uh, advantage. So I think half the battle is won, though I must say parent education, when David was mentioning how relentlessly we have been working on it because, you know, inquiry-based learning, student-centric classrooms has itself been a challenge and we work relentlessly on that. Again, the whole lesson started when online mode started because parents didn't have this idea that they have to sit with children probably or they thought that they have to sit with children. So we had to educate them that I, I know some of the parents who said, oh, if I am sitting and teaching my child everything, what is the school for now? Then I said, tell me what is the option we have? Do we have an alternative here? Okay, so we need to be partners. If you can bring the child, I'm ready to teach in the school. But you know, you know, we're all restrained now. So let's come out of that mode of, you know, pointing fingers at each other. Let's find a new way. And we, as we always told parents, have trust in the school. Let the child explain to you what he or she is learning. Don't wait for ready answers because you don't get impatient because you have to run off to your work. That helped. In the month of June, we had some challenges, teething problems like this from parents. But from July, they're on the same page with us. I think that's what we're going to take forward from here now. Excellent news. Parents on site is, uh, is not to be uh, forgotten fast and certainly to be maintained at all costs. Yes. <laughs> Time for us now. I'd love to finish with a question on wondering how your understanding of workplace environment, uh, the future that these children will go into, how do you see this supporting and or encouraging schools' development of agency? I've been reading an article called uh, Geography of Work. So in the coming years, even now, the IT sector is completely working from home. So you have people who are living in a different continent but working for a different continent now. So the geography of work, the geography of learning, because I know in, in our schools now, I have teachers who are living in different countries, who are working for different um, organizations, who are giving classes to my students here. So the geography of learning is going to change. The, so the workplace environment, in our context of schools, I would say the geography of learning is going to change completely. It's not going to be a challenge to have faculty who's living in a different continent in a time zone to teach your students now. I think there's a wonderful opportunity this pandemic created for us to see things differently. Thank you. Angela? Yeah, I agree with Sita and I, I was reflecting on just the, the capability of how we are developing and supporting our learners to be really agile and flexible um, in that they've moved from one space or experience online back into classrooms. Sometimes, as David mentioned, depending on sort of the conditions, they might have to go for 14 days um, into that hybrid or remote environment. But the flexibility and that agility you develop sort of in the resilience, those muscles that um, come with that, I think we are, it's helping support in the future um, for that geography of work or learning that these are skills that will serve them for years to come. Thank you. I haven't really got anything to add there. I think the ladies summed it up very well. Um, I mean, the one thing I, I would say is about leadership and, and agency. I think it's a double-edged sword there. We've seen our leaders given much more autonomy. Um, 
but that comes with decision fatigue because as leaders we always make a lot of decisions but in this last six months those decisions have have come in areas that we're not trained in um, and so one of the things that we've really increased is the amount of collaborative work that we do with our leaders so um, you know we, we would have probably termly principals support meetings previously now i do weekly and everyone for the last six months has turned up every single week they just need that space um, i think we just need to be careful with our leaders it is something that as a theme that's come through a lot of the conversations is that increased collaboration amongst leaders of schools and and leadership within schools as well as among teachers in this process and hopefully that is something that continues on and because it's become such a strength, I think, as, as you would indicate, David. Perhaps developing resilience and efficacy, the self-confidence that individuals have had to build in order to go through this is possibly our best takeaway from this period. I want to thank all of you so much for your time today. Really appreciate your contributions, ideas and perspectives and look forward to hearing you perhaps in the, the final and certainly through this series of leadership podcasts. Thank you for all the times you've come and chatted with us. Look forward to further conversations in the future. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to check out more episodes of IB Voices on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Join us next time for more insights from our IB community.